We are on Ksubis Tezayin Amaralev 16A3 in the second column, the Art Scroll Gemara. Uh, this uh, class will probably be a shorter one. We'll probably just do a few lines here in the Gemara, but these lines are very important lines um, that, uh, that we'll be studying. Uh, basically, just a quick review. Uh, the Gemara just concluded that Rabbi Yeshua... Uh, his ruling in our Mishnah is different from his ruling from the various Mishnayos in the first chapter, in the first parak. And that here, Rabbi Yeshua will follow the principle of Migu, essentially. He'll follow the idea of a Migu, which is that, uh, believe me when I say one thing, because I could have said something else which would have been a better claim. I could have made a better claim. Uh, and since I didn't make that better claim, so it must be that uh, I'm making this claim because I'm telling the truth. And so therefore there's reason to say that I am telling the truth. Uh, so that's, that's the concept of Migu. Um, and there could be different forms for this Migu. There could be a Migu where uh, if I had a better claim, if I would have said the other claim that I could have made, I would have won in court. I could have said something and I could have won in court um, so for example, let's say, um, somebody, um, somebody is, is accused, let's say, of, uh, having sexual relations, not because they, anybody saw it, but because they saw that they were in a secluded area with, uh, with somebody and there was concern. Uh, so then the question becomes, well, uh, is she allowed to marry Cohen? Is she not allowed to marry Cohen? That was already discussed in the last chapter. In the last parak, but there was an argument to be made there where um, you could say that uh, if she were to make the claim that no, she never she never had sexual relations, she would be totally believed in that case because there's no proof otherwise. We don't have any real proof, uh, so there are definitely those who say that she could just say straight up that it's not true. I never had sexual relations. Uh, so then, one step beyond that is that even if she makes the claim that she did but it was with somebody that she was allowed to be with, and therefore she's not disqualified from marrying a Kohen, well, maybe we should believe her based on the principle of Migu. What's that Migu? That, that principle is that, believe me uh, for uh, for saying that I did have sexual relations, but it was to somebody who was out, with whom I was allowed to be with, because I could have had a better claim, and I could have won with that claim, which is the claim that I could have made, which is that I, it just it never happened, and I didn't make that claim, and I know I would have won. Uh, so believe me when I make this other claim. So that is one type of a situation of Migu. You could have other cases, uh, potentially of Migu. I'm not saying everybody agrees that this works, uh, but you could have another case of a Migu where the claim that you could have made, not the claim that you actually made, but the claim that you could have made it isn't believed either. It's not believed either, but it also... Um, doesn't make it worse for you. That the actual claim that you made actually made it worse. So this isn't as good of a migu because the claim that you could have made is not believed, but you made it worse for yourself by the actual claim that you said. So for example, if somebody comes along, if somebody uh, uh, comes along and says that um, I was uh, I was raped while we were engaged, and that's why there's no hymen, um, she could have made the claim. That it wasn't a rape; that it was that it was uh, just uh, by mukas eights. It was um, it was through some injury. She did not make that claim. 
Well, she's not believed for either claim. But once she made the claim that she was raped while she was engaged, so then that disqualifies her from marrying a Kohen in the future. She cannot marry a Kohen uh, if she if she was raped while she was engaged. Uh, however, if she were to make the claim that it was by injury, so then she would be allowed to marry a Kohen. So even though she's not believed in either case, but she also made it worse for herself with the claim that she actually made. So maybe in that case also we should believe her uh, because she had a better claim, not that she would be believed, it's not as good as the first example we gave, uh, but it's not that she would be believed, uh, but she had a better claim that she could have made overall. It would have been better for her. So those are all different forms of Migu. In all of those cases, uh, not in all of those cases, but uh, definitely in the last case, uh, Rabbi Yeshua definitely disagreed and argued and said that she's not believed in that last case. Uh, however, in our Mishnah, Rabbi Yeshua says that we do believe a Migu, what Migu are we talking about in our Mishnah? So it's, uh, so it's moving away from these different cases of uh, a couple getting married, and we're now moving to the case of a person goes to, a person's been living on a field, and then he goes to his friend and he says, you should know uh, that uh, this field actually belonged to your father, and I bought it from him. I bought it from him. I bought it from your father. Well, the moment that he says that this field belonged to your father, so right there and then and there, he's admitting that this was not his originally. It wasn't his. It belonged to, to his friend's father. So at that point in time, if we were to stop there, and he now has to bring proof, he would have to bring proof that he actually bought it from his friend's father. Uh, because he admitted that it wasn't his the whole time. And he, So if he doesn't have any proof, so then why should we believe him? Oh, maybe we could apply the principle of Migu. Really, there's a principle of Migu. What's this principle of Migu? That I could have... Believe me when I said that uh, this belonged to your father and I bought it from him because I could have just kept quiet. Perhaps it's even the best Migu because I could, have just, I could have just kept quiet. I could have been silent. I'm living there the whole time. If I just kept my mouth shut, so then I would have been believing the entire time. Uh, not just believe it. I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to say a single thing. So that's another type of a Migu. And in that case, Rabbi Yeshua says that we actually, that, that, that we do believe. Um, and it's different than the, the Migus in the first, um, in, in the first chapters, in the first Parak's Mishnayos. Uh, so the Gemara now asks, what's the difference? Why is it that Rabbi Yeshua says that we believe this Migu, but not the other Migus in the first Parak? So, Mechti, Hai Migu, Vahai Migu, Maishna Hai Migu, Mehai Migu. They're both Migus. What's the difference between this Migu and that Migu? So the Gemara answers, very important line here, Hacha ein Shor Shacha there's different ways to understand this line, but essentially, uh, the way Rashi understands it, the classic commentator Rashi, he understands it that in our case, literally means there's no slaughtered ox in front of us. There's nothing. There's nothing here uh, that suggests that uh, there was some issue, that there was uh, some reason to be to have doubt, to question his ownership over the field. There's nothing here to talk about. He's the only one who's creating this. He's, he's creating this. But without him, nobody was asking him for the field. He was there. He was per- living there perf- perfectly fine. He's the one that's creating all this. Um, and so therefore, we should believe him. However, in the first chapter, in the first parak, the reason why he has to even make a claim is because something happened here which put into question our assumptions. We assumed that she was a basula, that she was a virgin. He doesn't find... The Dan He doesn't see uh, the, the the blood that from the hymen, um, and now all of a sudden we have to figure out well what's going on here. 
There's a question at hand. What's going on here? He says one thing, she says another thing, but she has to respond to it. In a case where she has to respond and there's a question already, she's not believed. But in our case, in our Mishnah, Rabbi Yeshua will say there's a big difference that really, that really, uh, the person would be believed when he could have, when there was no question at hand. He could have just kept quiet. Um, and that's the position of Rabbi Yeshua. And this is really not just called amigu. It really has a separate term called pesha aser hu hapesha hitter. This is actually a term that, that's in the Mishnah itself. Hapesha aser hu hapesha hitter. That the mouth which uh, made it forbidden is also the mouth which, mouth which allowed it. So uh, it is a whole big discussion. Is this working through migu? Is this really working through migu? The concept that believe me because I could have just kept quiet. Is that why he's believed? Or is he believed for really a, a slightly different reason? It's not just that I could have kept quiet, but if I'm the only reason as to your concern, as to the concern that it doesn't belong to me, I am the one who admitted and said that this field is not mine, so then you have to believe me the whole way through. It's that if it's based on him and him alone, so then maybe we have to believe him the whole way through to say that you should also know that I bought it from your father. Um, and so it's slightly different than the concept of Migu about the fact that he has another claim, it could be, this is how Rashi understands it, that in a regular case of Amigu, why are they not believed? They're not believed because maybe they know the, the whole halachic system. So they know that I could make a, I could have made, I can make this claim because I had a better claim to make and they're going to believe me because I had a better claim to make. So believe me for the claim that I'm making right now. So if a person knows exactly what's going on, so, um, so that they could, they could play with the system basically. But in this case, this case, I, I just have to keep quiet. It's all coming from me. So it's, it's, it's so much stronger than a regular Migu. This is basically saying your whole, your whole question here is based off something which I said. So believe it, everything that I'm saying. And so that could be exactly what the Gemara is answering in this line of, uh, here there's nothing to be concerned about. The whole concern just stems from this person's statement. Once he said that this field originally belonged to your father, it's all through him. So then we should also believe him to say that, uh, but you should know that I bought it from your father. Okay. That is the, that, that's the first couple of lines of the Gemara. The Gemara continues and says that earlier, um, we pointed out that Rabbi Gamliel actually agrees to the first case of our Mishnah. So just, let's just review the first case of our Mishnah. The first case of our Mishnah is uh, a case where they're sort of reflecting back on what happened years ago at the time of the original marriage. Uh, not that there's a question in play right now at the beginning of the marriage, but they're reflecting back. She says that it's her first marriage. He says that, no, it's your second marriage. It has ramifications with regards to how much she should receive for Iksuba now that they got divorced or uh, the husband died. Uh, and so Rabbi Gamliel agrees in this case. Why does Rabbi Gamliel agree in this case? Uh, because, uh, because they're both saying Bari. They're both saying it with certainty, uh, even though even though there is a rove, we do have a statistical majority, which says that most women, when they get married, it's their virgin, it's their first marriage, um, and so therefore, even though there is that majority, we don't follow that majority. So the Gemara asks, why not? Why don't we follow the statistical majority? Why can't we follow the majority of women? Uh, this uh, this concept of using a, a statistic that most women, uh, when they get married, they're virgin. So let us use that as proof that this woman also was uh, was in her first marriage. Uh, so just to point out, this question alone is actually not so simple. There is a concept of Ein Hochen Maman Acharov, that when it comes to 
monetary issues, we do not go based on a majority. We do not use statistics when it comes to monetary issues, that if you want to take money from me, so then you have to bring more evidence than just a rove, than just a majority. There are others who disagree. Rav uh, is of the opinion that we could uh, extract money based on a majority, based on a rove. And so perhaps the Gemara's question is going based on that opinion. Alternatively, it could be that there are other factors to believe her. Maybe there's a majority of the women there in their first marriage. Addition, additionally, maybe there's a concept of a chazaka, status quo, that since uh, the beginning of her life, she was a virgin, so we'll assume that she was a virgin until the last possible moment, and so therefore, based on this concept of status quo, we could assume that it was her first marriage. Maybe it's a combination of factors. Either way, the Gemara does have this question that we should follow majority. So the Gemara answers, Amoravina, no. He says, it's true. There's a majority of women that get married, they're in their first marriage. And there's a minority who are in their second marriage. But there's also, there's another principle that anybody who gets married, anybody as of now who gets married, and it's her first marriage, she's a virgin, so then... People know about it. There are rumors out there. This is her first marriage, the first time she's getting married. People know about this. This is a, a well-known rumor. The fact that this is not out there, Vizu Hol, and we're now moving on to Tezainam Abay, 16b1, Vizu Hol, the Ainla Kol, Israel Aruba. Since, uh, in this case, there is no Kol, there is no rumor out there, so this ruins the rove. Even though it's true that in general there's a majority of women who get married uh, it's their first marriage, but in this case where there's no rumor out there that this is her first marriage, so then, uh, then uh, it ruins it ruins the rove. It r- ruins this majority. We don't have this statistic anymore. So the Gemara asks, wait a minute. We just said that every single time, and they take it literally, every single time a woman gets married uh, for the first time, so then rumors are out there, so then we have the following question. There's another important line. Every line here is so important. They say that if it's really true that every single time a woman gets married and it's her her first marriage that there's a a rumor out there people are talking about it and they know about it, uh, so then even if, let's say, we had these two witnesses come and they say that we testify that this was her first marriage, in the mission it says, so then we believe those witnesses, maybe not. Do we always believe two witnesses? Argamar is saying no. We don't always believe two witnesses. We, we won't believe two witnesses if something is staring at us in the face and we know with certainty that otherwise we won't believe two witnesses. Two witnesses tell us that um, there's no water in the Niagara Falls, but everybody knows there's, Niagara, there's water in the Niagara Falls. We won't believe those two witnesses. So too here, if every single marriage, if it's the first marriage, there's a rumor out there, there's no rumor today, uh, but two witnesses come, we won't believe those two witnesses. So the Gemara clarifies and says, El Amar Avina, Aruba. It doesn't mean every single marriage. It means the majority of marriages, most marriages, and it's the first marriage, there will be rumors out there uh, about the fact that it's their first marriage. This one, since uh, there was no rumor, so then it ruins the majority i.e. The, the other majority, which is that the majority of women who get married, it's their first marriage, it ruins that because there's no rumor out there. However, if witnesses come along and they say that we testify and we know that this was her first marriage, so then we certainly will believe those witnesses because it's not foolproof, it's not all the time, it's just the majority of the time when there's no 
rumor out there, so then uh, it's unlikely that it's a first marriage. But if we have witnesses who tell us otherwise, so then certainly we will believe those other witnesses. Okay, that is, those were some uh, very important lines, some major uh, yesodos, uh, foundational ideas. And we will continue with the Gemara as it analyzes other, other lines in the Mishnah in the next recording.